Hello and welcome to Unabridged, the weekly podcast where teachers take on books. This is Sarah. Join us for bookish episodes and a monthly book club pick. This is Ashley. Find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Unabridged Pod or go to our website, unabridgedpod.com, where the books we read are linked for purchase. This is Jen. Check out our Teachers Pay Teachers store, our Patreon page, and our newsletter. Please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts to support us. You want opinions about books? We've got them. Hi, and welcome to episode 165 of Unabridged. Today, we are excited to talk about the mismatched screen adaptation of Sanja Menon's When Dimple Met Rishi. We are planning to focus on the pilot episode. We are excited to watch the whole series, but wanted to dive in with that so that you, more of you could join us in having watched, and that's available on Netflix. Before we get started with our discussion today, we wanted to share with you, we are thrilled to be partnering with bookshop.org. So that means that now we have a bookshop.org store. And what's really cool about that is that we can curate shelves of books that we love and recommend them to you. And all of that money goes toward independent bookstores. So to access that, you can just go to our website, unabridgedpod.com, and click on the bookshop.org link at the top. Or you can go directly to bookshop.org slash shop slash unabridged pod. So either way gets you to the same place, but it's really going to be a great way for us to support independent bookstores and also to share some of our favorites in a curated kind of way. So be sure to check that out. And we are going to get started with our bookish check-in. Sarah, what are you reading? I am reading T.E. Kenzie's A Quiet Life in the Country. It is a Lady Hardcastle mystery. So this is a series. This is the first one in the series. This is my first time reading T.E. Kenzie. And I would really categorize this as the coziest of mysteries. It's said in the early 1900s, the main character is of course Lady Hardcastle and then her lady's maid whose name is Flo. And it is phenomenal on audio. The narrator is absolutely fabulous. And it is just, it's a cozy mystery, but it is witty and the women are just remarkable characters, especially Lady Hardcastle and Flo. They have this really awesome relationship and friendship and they have had all these magnificent adventures together and there's an air of mystery about what they've done in their past and what exactly the adventures are and it's just a great story. There is a murder but it's not gruesome and it's just really like a straightforward mystery. They kind of nudge themselves in with the local police and try to help solve the murders that have happened. And it reminds me a little bit of Louise Penny, but I think that the setting of England and just the relationships between the women, it makes it even a bit more charming to me than Three Pines, which I love Louise Penny and her series. And I am so enjoying this book and I will definitely be reading more in this series because it's just, it's just like a warm hug with murder. (laughs) (laughs) What's well, a little bit of murder on this side? <laughs> oh, that's great. Yeah, I really, I love that book. I, I mean, you would great. say it's a cozy mystery, right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Sorry. And it, and I listened as well. So I would really recommend listening to it because I think that adds just so much to it. The narrator is just fantastic. That sounds great. 
I normally don't do many mysteries, but I really enjoyed Louise Penny. So that sounds like a good one to try. What about you, Jen? What are you reading? So I am reading Darcy Little Badger's Elatso. And this is, I, I just am loving it so much. So Elatso, who's called Ellie, is part of the Lipin Apache tribe. And she, it, it is a contemporary book. On page one, she is at her house and she's playing with her ghost dog, Kirby. And so it is one of those books that it feels just like our world. But then the deeper I read into it, there's all of this magic happening. So there's her best friend's sister is dating a vampire. And there are all of these legends that her family has told her about that come to life just in the course of a day. So it's just this amazing, magical, mythological story. Ellie's cousin, Trevor, was killed in a horrible car accident. And the night that he dies, she dreams about him and he tells her that he was murdered. So because she has this talent of speaking to the dead and of bringing ghosts back, she is convinced that this was Trevor's ghost visiting her so that she could figure out what had actually happened to him. And that's the part that I'm in the midst of now. She's traveled to her cousin's home. He was a teacher. He has a wife and a baby. And Ellie is just brokenhearted about her cousin's death and really wants to make sure that nothing else bad happens to her family. But the writing is super strong. It is really well written. And again, the world building, I don't even know if I can describe how much I love it. I just kind of want to giggle when I'm reading some of those parts because it's just, it's these little surprises of moments. Oh, and the other really fun part, her, the woman in her family who was the strongest was her, they call her six greats. It's her great, 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 you know, six greats, grandmother. And so constantly her family her dad will tell her a story about sixth grade. Like they'll be driving a car and he'll have a lesson about driving related to sixth grades and some monster that she fought. So it's just a part of her everyday existence that these people, these ancestors are right there with her. So I just, yeah, I really, really love it. So that is Darcy Little Badger's Elatso. That sounds great. I hadn't heard of that one. It sounds really good. Either. It's won some awards. So I had seen it around, but hadn't really read what it was about. So yeah, it was a nice surprise. The ghost dog Kirby was the first thing that I kind of laughed out loud because <laughs> it was, it wasn't what I expected. So Ashley, what are you reading? So I've been sharing on Instagram and, and I've talked a bit about it with our challenge episodes that I've tried really hard to reduce the number of books that I'm reading at a time. And the more I'm trying to do that, the more I realize how bad I am at doing that. It really has accentuated to me how compelled I am to start another book, even though I have lots of books going. So that happened to me last night. And the one that I've started is Sarah Morgenthaler's The Tourist Attraction. So Jen has shared about this one on the podcast, and I've seen a lot of great things on Instagram about it as well. And I think what really intrigued me about it is for one thing, I was looking for something that would be light and fun to read. But the part that really sold me was that there is the moose in the, in the town. And that I don't think should be a reason to read a book. But let me tell you, friends, that I got onto our library website in, in the midst of trying to convince myself not 
to read more books. And the <laughs> next thing I knew, I was searching for this book and then I had to put a hold on it. So then when it it became, this was totally my rationale on Instagram. When it became available, when your hold is available, you have to read the book. So. Oh, absolutely. I endorse that. Yes. Library holds are sacred. I did. I yes. felt so justified in starting another book. So again, not a great plan for my reading. I really was doing a lot better earlier this month about being strategic about moving through the books and it was working for me, but the longer the month has gone, the less that is working. But anyway, I think what I'm loving about it is that first of all, Ulysses, the moose appears in the opening scene. So right away, Right away, it was checking off that box that I really wanted to see the moose, and there he was, and he's hilarious. And so I loved all of that. And then also, I'm loving the setting. It's an Alaskan small town. And so I really like the community part of the book. I think that's really interesting. And then the main character, one of the main characters, Graham, is a curmudgeonly guy. I mean, I he's very cranky, and I don't know why. Normally, I find that off putting, but he is quite charming in his crankiness. And, and so and I think also, so he's a local and he really hates tourists. And so I think I can relate to all of that, both the dynamic of a tourist place that relies on tourism and also the repulsion of being around people who are constantly tourists. And so I, and I, and I think about that a lot when I travel, because certainly that is part, you are, no matter how you travel to a certain extent, you are a tourist when you're traveling. And so I love that exploration of how he is a local and he's really connected to the local community, but he feels this real tension and some disgust, which again, it comes out as being quite hilarious <laughs> in the story, but his diner is successful because of the tourists. So it's called the tourist trap. He does what he wants, when he wants, he kicks people out, he makes them clean up after themselves. And so all of that is just really funny and enjoyable. And then he has this repulsion toward tourists. But despite that, there is an appearance of Zoe, who is a friend of somebody who's a tourist, but also has visits often and is well connected to Graham. And she is clearly a bookworm. She's reading in the diner while everyone else is drinking and, and having fun. And so he just is charmed by her. And so I, I'm liking that as well. It's an unlikely development of two people who are very different from each other. And again, that trope of the person does not fit the type of person he thinks he would like, and yet he's really drawn to her. So all of that's really great. So I felt like that was a really long explanation to say that I am happy I started that one. It's been a great book to fight against the winter blues. And it's Sarah Morgenthaler's The Tourist Attraction. I will say that Graham reminds me of Luke from Gilmore Girls, if there are any Gilmore Girls fans listening. I was just thinking that the whole, when she was describing it, it just reminded me of Gilmore's in gen, Gilmore Girls yeah. in general, just like with Lorelai and Luke and all that stuff. I was like, well, oh, and that the townspeople like, are really important in yeah. the plot and it's a quirky small town. Yeah. There are a lot of Gilmore Girls connections. Well, maybe I need that to come my way then. That sounds, sounds mm -hmm. like that might be a good fit too. Yeah, this one's this yeah. been great. I, I, I did not expect, like I said, I mean, obviously I was enticed by what people had shared about it, but I also didn't expect to enjoy it as much and as quickly as I did. It was just really inviting. It's easy to get into it and it moves really quickly. And yeah, so it's been a good fit. So 
Today for our main discussion, we wanted to dive into talking about Mismatched. We were thrilled and a little surprised to see that it is a series. It's a six-part series, and it is in Hindi originally. And so you have a couple of options, so listening to the dubbed English audio or listening to it in Hindi and reading the subtitles. And I know I listened in Hindi and read the subtitles. Was that true for you all? Same. I just pushed play on Netflix. So, and then I turned on captions, but then it was, it was both in English and then it was also captioning the English, which also didn't match. Yes. <laughs> it was very confusing and I didn't know what was happening, but I got the gist. Yeah. <laughs> so. I, I accidentally started that way. And then I realized that I had the option to turn off the English dubbing <laughs> and just have one version of what was said in English. I thought it was worth mentioning that. So that people who haven't watched yet, I was really pleased with listening in Hindi and reading the subtitles. That yeah. worked really well for me. So I did want to mention it. I switched to those settings, which was easy to do, but not always something that you notice or think mm-hmm. to do. But. And I, I also really enjoyed listening to the Hindi because there were these really interesting integrations of English phrases, which I found totally fascinating. Yeah. So yeah. It was great. So we wanted to talk briefly about what we loved about, uh, first of all, I should say, all of us really enjoyed When Devil Met Rishi. I I believe this is one of the books that we, all three of us, totally agree that it's a great book. So we could talk about it for a long time, but we're going to try to just say a couple of things about what we like about the book. And then as we talk about the pilot episode, we want to share what worked with us. A few things, there were a lot of differences. So there were a lot of things that changed. So we want to talk a little bit about something that surprised us with that and then a favorite scene. And so, you know, we're going to just explore it that way. So ladies, do you want to, Jen, do you want to start us off talking about the book? Sure. So we did this one as a buddy read and I actually went back and looked at the chat because I wanted to see what the points were that we talked most about. And one thing that I absolutely love about the book when Dumple met Rishi is that both characters face all these microaggressions, some because of ethnicity. For Dimple, a lot of times it's because she doesn't care about conventional notions of beauty that she really wants people to focus on her intelligence. And so she is bullied because of that, sometimes out and out bullied, and sometimes they are microaggressions. And so both of the characters have these moments where they advocate for the other person. Sometimes they're not so great about advocating for themselves, but both of them have a moment where, at least one, where they stand up for the other person, where they directly address someone else's horrible statement or just marginally bad statement and and just address it and put it out in the open. And then it sort of deflates the other person. And I just really liked that because I thought their relationship had all of these great nuances. And I thought that was one that even at times that they couldn't stand up for themselves, they could stand up for the other person. So that was something I really hope happens in the series. Awesome. Yes, I think I admired that about both their characters as well. What about you, Sarah? What's something from the book that you are hoping to see in the series? I really appreciated the representation of girls in coding and technology 
for, especially for young adults who I, I don't think there's a ton of representation. It's getting better, but I think for a long time it was more male focused. And I really like that female focus and that dimple is, she's as good as everyone else. And she, if not better, and that she, I mean, I just like that representation that she, and she, that she's very focused on what she wants to do in her career that she, and she's willing to fight for it. I was like, I just loved all of that. Yeah. Yeah. I love that about her character too. I think that's a great point that we're seeing more and more adult books where women are in the tech field and that's their job, but Mm -hmm. you're right that I don't see it quite as often in YA and it's nice to see and to show girls pursuing those passions. What about you, Ashley? So something I really loved right at the start of the book was the the way that Minon was able to show with equal footing both Rishi's desire to have an arranged marriage and acceptance of it and Dimple's repulsion by it and how she does not want to have this laid out pathway for her life. And I loved the way that she was able to show that because I think that often when something is a cultural norm and is being explored, it's hard to show both sides of it, I think. And I just feel like that happens really well in the book. Like I think that we really understand Rishi's desire for stability and then and and his acceptance of the fact that that can bring about a happy adulthood and his peace with that and then also dimple's desire to love to marry for love and to not have to think about marriage and back to what you were saying sierra she wants to pursue her career she's passionate about her development of technology and she doesn't want to have to think about it at all and i thought that that was really I think that's hard for an author to do. And I felt like it was done so well in the book. And so I really wanted to see that and see that tension and just the the idea that that both things could be good. It could be good to have an arranged marriage and it could be good to marry for love or not feel that you have to marry. And so I, I wanted to see that exploration in the, in the series as well. So we, in the pilot episode, we are going to share something that worked for each of us. Sarah, what's one thing that worked for you? Oh my goodness. Dimple's family. I just adored, especially her dad. And I just, there were just so many moments that I just thought were really precious between both Dimple and her mom and Dimple Dimple and her father. And I just, it warmed my heart and I just loved it so much. Yes, I I appreciate that too. And I appreciate that we saw how much tension there Mm -hmm. was between her and them, but also a lot of love. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. What about you, Jen? What's something that worked for you? So one thing that I really liked is the fact, so the series is set in a different place than the book. So the series is set in India and the book is set in the United States. And that definitely changes a lot of things. And so I wasn't sure one big subplot in the book is the Aber Zombies, who are these uber wealthy people who have a lot of privilege going into this camp where they're trying to get their apps. Basically, their apps will be funded so that they can become a real business. And I really liked the way they've converted the Aber Zombies in India. It's a little different feel, but it still was very effective. And yet there was even a little bit of nuance in the presentation of the Aber Zombies in this first episode. So one of them, they're kind of gathered at 
uh, on this central area at the university where they are. And Dimple comes up to one because she's a fan of his gaming and she realizes he's in a wheelchair. She just does not handle that interaction well at all. So I think right from the beginning, you get this sense that they are, they are jerks to her, but also she's not the greatest back to them. And I think that's a really important part of her personality that we have to contend with both in the book and I guess in the series is that Dimple is not always sensitive to other people. So even though they are jerks, we see she, yeah, there, there are going to be some problems in the future. Yeah. So I, I thought that was a nice adaptation from the book that really worked for me. Yeah. Yeah. And I think you're right. Trying to capture that of her personality because she is complicated. And I remember in our buddy read discussions that people talked about how it was harder to empathize with her sometimes because she is, she's so driven and so passionate, but also not always really sensitive. And yeah. Whereas like Rishi is, has a heart of gold in a lot of ways. And so he, it's hard because he is a much sweeter character than she is, which doesn't make him better, but sometimes easier to empathize with. Ashley, what was something that worked for you? Gosh, there were so many things I loved right away. I think that they do such a great job in the series of having small actions that speak a lot to what's going on. And so one of the things I was really struck by right at the beginning is when Dimple is dressing and putting on the makeup and her mom is so you're seeing you're as the viewer you are seeing Dimple putting on her makeup and her mom is like a soundtrack playing on repeat to say don't forget to do this thing. Have you sprayed this perfume? You need to put on this lipstick. You need to do it this way. And it, I mean, it really, I thought they captured so well what that sounds like to the child who is experiencing. And I mean, in her case, you know, a, almost an adult who is experiencing the parent. And it just reminded me of, you know, Charlie Brown was like, wah, wah, wah. <laughs> <laughs> the mom is just going at it. And Dimple is piling it on harder and harder as her mom is saying all of that. And it just really spoke to exactly what you all said in the book about one of the things that's really remarkable about Dimple is that she is unconventional in her beauty and she is not interested in presenting herself as a present for people to look at. And so she is bothered by all of that. And I thought that that scene where she comes downstairs and then her mom is so put off by what she considers to be overdone makeup that then they get into this huge conflict. And I just, I just loved that. I loved that whole scene. I loved the way that she, the way that it showed how hard it is to navigate those kinds of things. And, you know, we see her, her mom's love for her and yet she's badgering her about these things that feel ridiculous and that show these her horrible expectations are placed upon her as far as her appearance that are really off-putting. And I just thought all that worked really well and was done without, it was just such a subtle way to handle that scene and yet had such an impact on us understanding more about Dimple. And I think too, like as a parent, even though I might not be yelling at my daughter or my son about that particular thing, I think as a parent, you can relate to the mom, even though you're like, don't yell at Dimple because we love Dimple. We 
especially since we've read the book. But as a parent, I can also relate to that constantly yelling the same thing. And also then the, my kid coming down and have done has, has done either something that's totally spiteful or something that I did not want them to do. And I mean, I just think that that they're the subtlety that they're able to bring to the family and that, you know, you disagree with your parents, but or you have different ideals than your parents, but that you are able to still love each other and support each other. And I, I just thought they did that really well. And I even got that sense more in the series, in, in the first episode in the pilot than I did in the book when I read it the first time. Yeah, I agree with that. So we wanted to talk a little bit, Jen said before that there were a lot of changes. I mean, obviously setting it in India was a, a big change, but there are some other changes as well. So what was the change that surprised you, Sarah? So I, I know, since I have our cheat sheet up, I know that our the change that surprised us in our favorite scene or moment is is also, a, is also a category. And mine is the same because again, it's when I think about this episode, I think about subtlety and like just the choices the characters made and the writers make during the whole episode. I just thought it was really well done. And so first the change that surprised me was the addition of, of Rishi's best friend and that she plays this huge part in the, the pilot. And my favorite scene of the whole show was when Rishi is with his grandmother and this wasn't in the book, is with his grandmother and his best friend is there and they're looking at potential wives on a screen. And then his grandmother looks at his best friend and is like, why don't you all just get married? This will save me so much heartache. And Rishi makes this like gagging face that is just so like what what someone would really do. And that when you have like that close bond with someone, but you're not interested in them in a romantic way. And I just thought that was so, I thought it was precious. I thought it was really authentic. And I just love that whole scene. And I love that addition of the best friend. So I combined my, <laughs> my two, sorry. I, I didn't tell you all ahead of time I was going to do that. <laughs> I will allow it. Yes. I, I liked all that too. And thought it was really interesting that he had the female best friend and, Really interesting. What about you, Jen? What was something that you that surprised you? And if you would also like to say your favorite scene, I will. Mine are different though, but yes, I can go ahead and do both. So <laughs> I really like the addition of Rishi's grandma and the way that we see in the book, it is already an established fact that he is going to have this arranged marriage and that that has happened behind the scenes. But in this one, it flashes back so that we see him talking to his grandmother about this. And we know that his grandmother and grandfather were very much in love and that that is the marriage he yearns for. And in this one, his parents are divorced. And that is a change from the book. So you see what he is trying to avoid as well as what he yearns for. So I just thought that simple change of adding his grandmother in and of giving us that conversation that led to his decision to have this arranged marriage and of choosing Dimple worked really well. And I should say, this is only a 30 minute episode. We are talking about 30 minutes here. There was so much packed into this pilot and yet it didn't feel to me at all overdone. It felt like the perfect amount to orient us to this world. We figured out who a lot of characters are. We had a lot of hints about what's coming. I think it's really strong. Oh, and then my favorite scene is, it is, this one is pitch perfect for the book. It is the scene when he goes up to Dimple and says, hello, future wife. 
and she throws her iced coffee on him. And we actually see the hello future wife moment twice because we see it once and we get the flashback of the whole backstory. And then we, we see it again. And that was a scene in the book that I thought this would make such a great scene in the movie. And we talked about that in the buddy reach chat, and it lived up to my expectations and his best friend's reaction because she is filming this because she thinks it's going to be this big romantic moment that Rishi is meeting his future wife for the first time. And then instead she gets on film him being dunked with iced coffee and her reaction is perfect because I do feel like your best friend is going to think it's hilarious and feel bad for you later. <laughs> but in the moment, your best friend would crack up. So mm -hmm. I just really love that. Whole scene. Twice. <laughs> <laughs> so we did not write down or share these things in advance. And I was thinking both of those I things. Jen. So we are on the same wavelength here, but that's okay. Uh, so yeah, I definitely loved that with his grandma and with his dad. And I thought it was a really interesting take on it that his dad's a womanizer and is clearly constantly changing who he's with. I thought that was all really interesting, but again, felt a credible backstory for why he would desire the security of an arranged marriage. So I think that works really well. Another change that I appreciated, I don't know that it surprised me particularly, but I, I loved it, was again related to the standards of beauty. And I really loved how in the beginning when she was having to put on her makeup and all that stuff, there was a lot of incorporation of the importance of lightening her skin and a lot about the bleaching. And, that, and again, just that idea that she had to look a certain way in order to be accepted. And we see that I loved the scene where she gets to, she gets to the program and the, first of all, the woman behind the desk is hilarious. I think they did a really great job with a lot of the secondary characters of just having a lot, you know, she just, she is clearly expecting a particular thing from the people who come in and she has to take Dimple's picture. And Dimple is so grumpy about that entire thing and so bothered. And I loved it because it fit in with that idea that she felt like here's one more person who is expecting me to look a certain way and to be a certain way. And I don't have to be that way. And so I, I really loved that because I felt like throughout they did such a nice job. And again, like Jen said, it was, a, you know, it's only 30 minutes, but I think there was a lot of buildup for showing both what everyone expected of her and who she wanted to be instead. And so when she was just digging her heels in with her frumpy face, <laughs> when, when the lady was taking her picture, I just loved that. I mean, I thought that that whole scene really spoke to her as a character and also to kind of the ridiculousness of what people wanted her to be versus, I mean, she's there to do the work, to, to make a change, to learn and to grow. And all that stuff seems like ridiculous frivolity to her. Yeah. So I thought that was great. And then as far as the favorite scene, for sure, the coffee was my favorite. And I absolutely loved how it circled back to that. I thought that all was just masterfully done. But another scene that I really loved was when she was on the bus and she's playing the games and she has her headphone <laughs> in and the guy next to her keeps laying over onto her. Again, I think there's all this commentary about what people expect her to tolerate and be 
versus who she wants to be. And so we see her defying that. So this guy is all up in her space and she keeps trying to get him to move, but she's also playing the game. And then her headphones come out and there's all this like profanity and the bus is scandalized. And the, the guy is trying to, you know, is abruptly awakened and trying to defend himself and say, it's not him. And I thought all of that was brilliant. I mean, I just, I loved it. I loved that people thought, of course, it would be him and not her. I thought that we see her as a gamer, but no one wants to acknowledge that this is a huge part of her life. And then how mortifying that that was, <laughs> that, that was all happening <laughs> on the bus in one of these first times of her being out on her own. So I, I loved that. So we wanted to wrap up this discussion with saying something that we hope to see in future episodes. Uh, Jen, what's something you're wanting to see in the future episodes? So I really like the way they develop so many secondary characters. And I'm hoping that even though the focus, of course, is going to be on Dimple and Rishi, that we are still getting those other characters developed as well. Because there were several who were new, who were not in the book, that I was very intrigued by. So I'm hoping that their storylines can continue to be woven through. And maybe there's a plan for season two. I don't know. But I would totally watch it, even just based on the pilot. So, Yes. Awesome. What about you, Sarah? What's something you'd like to see? So mine is tangentially related to Jen's. Mine is the secondary character who we met briefly at the coffee shop place who was an older woman who was coming. And I mean, I felt like it was a significant enough of of interaction that something is going to happen with that character. And she wasn't in the book. And I'm just, I was super interested because I feel like, I guess it's also my age, like as a person who like is wants to be a lifelong learner and I would, I would like to be able to do, but to do stuff like that, but I would definitely be so apprehensive to go with a bunch of youngsters, you know, and do something like that. And then that when she says she is renting a house off property or whatever, it just became very clear that, her experience is going to be different, but Deadpool was also so, so kind to her. Mm-hmm. And I just, I'm really interested to see where that goes. Yeah. I loved all that too. I almost chose that as my favorite scene because I felt like I loved Dimple's interaction with her. I think that we see, because again, she is not a sweet character, but she is kind. Mm-hmm. She, is, yes. she has a kind heart and she cares very deeply about people. And so we see that in that interaction. And then I loved the guy who was working behind the counter and he was yes. giving such encouragement and advice to Zenot that we see. And I mean, I agree with you, Sarah. It really caught my attention because, and again, I think it shows two different kinds of learners. You know, we're seeing Dimple, who is challenging a lot of the expectations for young people, but then it's cool to see her character coming in as someone who clearly is passionate about this, but has had already a life that's probably more traditional than pursuing this um, this passion that she has. So really cool yeah. to see that develop. Yes. What about you, Ashley? What is something you hope to see in future episodes? So one, I'm definitely excited to see that relationship continue because I agree, Sarah, that I was really interested in where that was going to go. And another thing that I would like to see more of is Rishi's side of the story. I think we got some really great background about Dimple in this one, but I look forward to seeing more of what is going on for him and how that ties into him getting to that space. So, you know, I'm looking forward to that part 
and seeing a bit more, I think we got some glimpses that I was just really interested to learn more about. So we will be so interested to hear what you all think about Mismatched. I know we are all planning to watch all six of the episodes. We all, as we've shared with you, just thought it was so well done and really intriguing. And I'm looking forward to watching the rest. And it is on Netflix. And today we want to end with our Give Me One. And this topic is a song that you couldn't get out of your head in 2020. So Sarah, what's the song for you that you couldn't get out of your head? I have to say in 2020, I listened to a lot more music than I normally do because I was at home a lot more. And my husband is a as a music fanatic, we enjoy listening to music and, you know, dancing and stuff with our kids. And so since we were home so much, we listened to a lot of music and I'm going to just say two because <laughs> I can, I've got the floor and I'm just going to say it, but Breaking two all the rules today. Girl. Yeah. <laughs> so this in 2020, we listened to intentions by Justin Bieber and Quavo a, a lot because it's fun to dance to. It's got a, a catchy tune. And we just, we really like dancing with our kids with that. And then the other one is Blinding Lights by The Weeknd. My husband and I had a brief foray into watching TikTok videos. And if you have watched TikTok, you know that that song was everywhere on TikTok and there was a dance to it and all that. But also I really think The Weeknd is a very talented artist. I And I really, I like all of his music, but that one we listened to a lot. So those are the two for me. Nice. What about you, Jen? What's a pick for you? This is one of those give me one topics that makes me feel very insecure. And also to realize that the way that I read a lot is that that is like all I do. So I very seldom listen to music, which I feel like is a sad commentary on something. I'm going to move past it. But for me, it's always Hamilton. So yeah, I always have some Hamilton song running through my head. And I'm always alert to allusions to Hamilton and things people are saying or listening to or doing. So yeah, I'll just say the whole soundtrack. Yes, friends, we were all anxiously following the inauguration (laughs) and Amanda Gorman is phenomenal. So I just want to pause for a second and say I was completely blown away by her poetry and and herself, like (laughs) watching her speak. And I was just really amazed. But then is texting and saying, did you all notice those Hamilton references? <laughs> and I did not. But then, but then the Twitterverse catches up and lets everybody know that, and Amanda Gorman verified that she did, in fact, intentionally put them in there. So, yes, that spoke to Jen's, Jen's ability to catch those illusions at any moment. Slash obsession. Yes. <laughs> hey, if you're going to be obsessed with something, I think Hamilton is a good choice. So, I listen to that a lot, too. My kids probably would say Hamilton because every time we were in the car, we listened to that. We just weren't in the car that much. <laughs> so, Ashley, what's your give me one? So, like Sarah was saying about listening to music, a big thing that our family has done is working on, like, my kids used to be really reluctant to watch movies because they were always kind of scared about what might happen. And so we dedicated a weekend a day every week to making sure that we watched a movie, which again, for a lot of people, I'm sure that sounds absurd, 
but I'm sure there are other people who have sensitive kids. And so it has been a work, a, a project. And we watched Trolls, which I loved. And so Anna Kendrick's Get Back Up Again was <laughs> it's one that has been stuck in my head. The girls listened to that soundtrack a lot. And in general, I would say like they loved Moana, which I absolutely mm-hmm. loved. We listened to that soundtrack a lot. They finally got through all the Frozen stuff. They listened to those soundtracks a lot. And I like all those. I like all those songs. But the Get Back Up Again was a great one for 2020 because <laughs> because it is really upbeat and encouraging and promotes carrying on when things are hard. <laughs> that was all good. So I did feel like it was stuck in my head sometimes, but I also, if you got to have one stuck in your head, I like that song to be there. So yeah, great choice. <laughs> Well, thank you all for joining us today. We can't wait to hear what your thoughts are about Mismatched. And I just want to remind you, like I said at the beginning, that we are partnering with bookshop.org and that that's a great way for you to support not just the podcast, but also independent bookstores and that you can check that out on our website at unabridgedpod.com. Thanks for listening. Do you have comments or opinions about what you heard today? We'd love to hear them. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at UnabridgedPod or on the web at UnabridgedPod.com for a list of ways to support us. We'd like to thank Jared Featherstone, who composed our theme music, Strings of Light, and Katie Amy of Amy Photography, our podcast photographer. Thanks for listening to Unabridged. 